This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from around the world. And today, it is Jeff Halley in Singapore. Good morning from London, Jeff. And good afternoon from Singapore. Let's get the latest from the markets where you are first. What's happening in Asia Pacific? Well, a very mixed day. The, the, the overnight session was very much defined by increasing US dollar strength, which pushed down uh, the most of the major currencies. Stock markets ended up slightly lower after yields, US yields spiked uh, in the overnight session. Today, we've seen a very mixed performance in uh, Asia. Australian markets are actually up quite strongly today, but the rest of Asia has actually sunk. And we saw the Kospi and the Nikkei try to rally earlier in the day, but they've they've now fallen into negative territory. Uh, Chinese equities went straight to jail. They went straight down. And there's a few things at play here. I suspect there's some end of quarter, end of month, institutional portfolio rebalancing going on. Now, those flows tend to be quite large and they can cause some unusual movements in markets in the last day or two of of the month slash quarter. And I think we're seeing some of that going on. And that may explain why the Australian equities markets are up over 1% today. China has also initiated a lockdown on a city in the Yunnan province. Uh, to control a COVID-19 outbreak there. And along with another uh, tech IPO from China that fell 13% in Hong Kong today, I think there's just a general lack of confidence and those retail investors are headed for the door. We have China's down over 1%. The Nikkei's down uh, 0.8% uh, and the Kospi's now flat. But generally across Asia, equities are, are on the back foot, much like they were in New York overnight. And Jeff, yesterday sterling hit a 12-month high against the euro. Why is the pound riding high at the moment? Is it because of the vaccination programme and that successful rollout? Yeah, we can lay most of the sterling strength against the euro at that door. Uh, Clearly, the UK is miles ahead of Europe on this uh, vaccination uh, programme. Thus, they are expected to recover much sooner than Europe. Europe itself has been uh, either extending or initiating new national lockdowns across various Eurozone members. That will crimp growth, but also their very muted pace of vaccinations, along with this vaccine nationalism that we've uh, all been reading about. Uh, Whatever your point of view of that, that is also weighing on sentiment. So in general, the US dollar itself, to digress, is very strong at the moment, boosted by higher US dollar yields. But the sterling is displaying more strength in that respect than the euro. And part of that can also be laid at gilt store. Gilt uh, uh, yields have also risen in sympathy with US yields over the last couple of weeks. But the Europeans have very clearly telegraphed that they're not going to tolerate any rise in eurozone yields. And so that yield differential is also coming into play. So you can say yield differentials and COVID-19 slash vaccination. And the Germans are suspending uh, the routine use of the AstraZeneca vaccine for those below 60 because of what they say is the risk of uh, blood clots. Uh, The risk doesn't look that great when you look at the numbers. 31 cases, they say, amongst the 2.7 million people who'd received the vaccine in Germany. But also Canada has suspended use of the jab in people under 55. Now, 
dare I ask, Jeff, what do they know that we in the UK don't? Uh, that's a very, very good question. It's also about the degree of caution. I mean, statistics can be a little bit misleading, but maybe those the, those situations that are causing concern to the Canadians and to the Europeans, they're just not happening in the sample set that is Great Britain. And, and thus, there's no reason for the uh, medical authorities in the UK to change their outlook on the use of the vaccine. Uh, some countries are also much more cautious than others, but I will note that actually... Canada and particularly Toronto are struggling with a COVID-19 resurgence. In fact, the health authorities there were saying it was out of control in Toronto uh, as of yesterday. So it's a little hard to it's a little hard to put your fingers on. I think there's a few factors at play here. Uh, some countries are showing an abundance of caution, whereas data isn't supporting that uh, that that conclusion in, in uh, the UK which basically means the UK is going to move further ahead in their vaccination program and thus sterling and sterling assets or UK assets should continue to outperform European ones. Okay. Meanwhile, the IMF has warned that Biden's stimulus could spark a rapid rise in interest rates, that's their description, and derail the recovery. How likely is that scenario, do you think? Well, I think there's a bit of fear-mongering there. I think uh, uh, the world is very quickly adjusting to the new reality of steeper yield curves and higher interest rates. A lot of its impact on the markets will be just uh, how Mr. Biden intends to pay for it. Now, will that $3 trillion uh, be funded mostly with uh, new debt issuance? Will it be mostly covered by new taxes? Or will it be a combination of both? Whichever way you cut it, there is definitely going to be another trillion or two of new debt issuance, and that will put upward pressure on yields, which are rising in sympathy with uh, rising prices and the economic recovery anyway. I, I don't really agree with the IMF's uh, uh, headline there. I think that's more scaremongering. I don't think, I think rates would have to rise an incredibly long way higher in order to derail the, um, the, the, the recovery. And, and we have to also remember that at the short end of the curves, Central banks all over the world are keeping interest rates at zero and have all telegraphed that they intend to do so for the foreseeable future. So there's still plenty of liquidity around. It's just that the yield curve is going to get steeper. Now, Jeff, last time we spoke uh, early on Monday morning UK time, we had that breaking news at the Suez Canal that at last uh, that enormous container ship uh, had been moved and things were set to uh, start rolling again. But the disruption, I'm afraid, is set to last for weeks because of what happened in the Suez over the last few days. Yes, definitely. And this all comes back to just-in-time uh, inventory management uh, for manufacturing or delivering products. Just-in-time works wonderfully as long as everything's just-in-time. And it's a bit like when you have... Uh, you know, pilot strikes or weather-related events or volcanoes and, 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 and aircraft all up, end up in the wrong airports at the wrong places at the wrong times. And that has this knock-on effect through timetables while everything's repositioned. It's going to be the same with shipping. Uh, Just-in-time means that some deliveries won't, won't make it in time and that will affect production, that will affect goods and stores. Ships are now in the wrong place. They're not where they're supposed to be on schedules and they're running very tightly as well. So, yeah, there will be knock-on effects through this whole uh, supply chain 
through um, for, for possibly uh, one or two months, I, I can well imagine. I, I think what needs to happen is a discussion on just-in-time inventory management, and I think that's the bigger issue facing the world at the moment. Having said that, we dodged a bullet there, didn't we? Because if they'd had to have taken the containers off that ship... Uh, it could have been a very serious situation for the global economy because that would have delayed it for weeks, if not months. I totally agree. Those things carry about 20,000 containers, that ship, and that way they weigh about 250,000 tonnes on my back of the, uh, back of the uh, writing pad calculation. Plus, you would have had to have lifted those off a ship that is 15 storeys above the, 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 uh, the, the, the waterline in the middle of a desert. Uh, so you can just start working out the ramifications of the, getting the equipment there and the time it would take and the knock-on effect. I think we would have been looking at the canal being closed for at least a month in that situation. That would have caused a spiralling knock-on through supply chains all over the world. You know, that ship that's stuck in the Suez Canal possibly should have been in America the month after and China the month after that, and it wouldn't be. And so you can start extrapolating the effect. So... You know, it does show the vulnerabilities of the world's global supply chains to certain choke points. And I think this is a discussion that needs to be revisited by uh, the international community at some stage. It's the last day of the quarter, uh, March the 31st, the Easter weekend coming up for many, Jeff. What's happening the rest of the weekend? Uh, a brief summary, if you can, of the last quarter that we are just coming to an end for because it's been quite extraordinary some of the events that have happened during the last uh, three months um, uh, certainly some in the history books yeah i think if we were to summarize it i think markets were caught out by the actual pace of the of the recovery particularly in the, in the united states which was in a very tough place in january it's also having now to adjust to the new reality of steeper yield curves the, the fact that rising prices through these supply chains around the world are going to force prices higher, that are going to force uh, government borrowing rates higher, bond uh, yields higher. So steeper yield curves is another thing that the world will have to adjust with. Uh, but most especially, that has led to US dollar strength. And nobody really thought that the US dollar would strengthen to the extent it has. And I believe that it can continue strengthening as the world readjusts to this new reality. It may well finish lower by the end of the year as the reality of the US government's fiscal accounts become clear. But in the meantime, this rally still probably has some, some, some length to run. So a stronger dollar, higher interest rates despite the COVID-19 pandemic and the world being closed and an accelerating global recovery. And I think the pace of all of that has caught markets by surprise. Uh, if we look to the rest of the week, it doesn't get any quieter, to be honest, with a new month. We've got PMIs and uh, I believe uh, uh, industrial production numbers out of uh, much of the world over the next two days. We've got uh, President Biden announcing the details of his new $3 trillion infrastructure package tonight. Plus, we have ADP employment tonight, which could well exceed expectations. Um, and that will culminate with non-farm payrolls on Friday, which will be a low liquidity event because really only the US will be open. So the moves from that could be outsized, but I'm seeing um, forecasts now that that could come in well above 700,000 jobs added. Okay, Jeff, over here in the UK, the sun is shining. We've got a long weekend for Easter ahead and uh, a vaccination programme uh, to be proud of. So always looking good here in the UK at the moment. Here's to a long wonderful english summer because they don't often happen <laughs> indeed jeff halley in singapore thanks for joining us 
My pleasure. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.